Sophie, I am so pleased to say that the sponsor of today's episode is Severin, a new sparkling wine that is majority Black-owned, Black-invested and Black-operated. Their mission is to promote Black excellence in all its forms, and they have just launched their first ever wine, Severin Black Label. The Black Label is made from 100% Chardonnay grapes grown in the vineyards of Franschhoek, South Africa. The wine is then imported to England and fermented in Hampshire before being aged for a further two and a half years. So it's been a long journey, but the first bottles are finally being released and they're competing with the best sparkling wines on the market. And we're about to try it in this episode. Severin is a wine that's been created to represent the exciting and diverse communities of London. And right now, as part of their launch, you can get 10% off on their website with the code IHWSH10. So like, I'll have what she's having when you visit severin.co.uk. That's www.severan.co.uk. Thank you, Severan, for making today's podcast possible. Hello and welcome to I'll Have What She's Having, a food and drink podcast from me, Sophie Wybird. And me, Hannah Crosby. Every week, Sophie and I sit down to dinner. She makes a dish, I pair a wine and we put the world to rights. This week, we pair date and chickpea salad with South African sparkling wine. And we talk about eating on tour, margaritas and the big gay awakening. Hello! Hello! We are so excited to have a guest that we both love very much on the podcast yes. today. We're joined by singer and chef Dene Moore. Dene started her career making music before adding cooking to her repertoire when she began hosting her vegan supper club, Dee's Table, back in 2017. Restaurant residencies followed before Dene wrote her debut cookbook, Plentiful, filled with vibrant vegan recipes inspired by her Jamaican heritage and the food she got to know whilst on tour, which came out earlier this year. Welcome, Dene. Welcome. Hello. It's so nice to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, this is so lovely. You're in I a feel very... so relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm That's what like, people say. And also I feel like I already know you because you are one of the biggest supporters and likers of my memes. So thank I you. I mean, <laughs> meme culture is important. It connects us all together. It, it connects it's us all. It's the glue. Mm. What did we do before memes? I'm, I don't know, but I'm also worried because every massive event, like even global warming's happening, which is horrific and like terrifying. There's too many memes. The memes are good. I'm like, a war will be happening. Like World War III is coming. And then like yeah. everyone's making memes. It's yeah. like, guys... You gotta laugh so you don't cry. But yeah, when, did, I think when that's does it cross it the line? I think it's very nihilist Gen Z culture. Like everyone's realised that it's not up to us. Big corporations are ruining the planet. Like yeah. we don't really matter. Nothing matters, so may as well laugh. <laughs> God, this is quite a dark start. I, to the I, I'm really sorry. Oh, straight in. <laughs> Bring the mood down. <laughs> On to happier things. So yes. your debut book, Plentiful, came out a couple of months oh, ago, my and baby. I have to say, it is. It's a very beautiful baby. Congratulations. Thank you. And all mums think their baby's beautiful. Just like strangers tell you, it's beautiful. (laughs) It means a lot. It's really like, it's such a vibrant book, both in its appearance, like it's so Mm -hmm. colourful. The fonts are very nice. Mm. Fonts are very important to me. So important. So important. I mean, I can see because they're great fonts. You put (laughs) some care into that. And the photography is beautiful. The recipes are super exciting and colourful and packed with flavour. It's like been such a joy flicking through that book that makes me so happy i'm very glad i feel like i had a lot of fun making it i had a lot of fun writing it like i was laughing all the time and i was like am i meant to laugh this much (laughs) (laughs) for instance i managed to work in it was really important to me that i put in host station because you know like 
just stuff like this that I think makes it more conversational and fun because I feel like I want people to get to know me more through the book and I want people to read it and also laugh whilst Mm, they're cooking totally it's meant to be fun it's meant to be fun where did you write it did you write it in Margate in London you know I wrote it it's an international experience you know I I wrote parts of it in LA which is so funny it's so bougie I love that um which is really cool and then I wrote bits of like the writing bit in Jamaica and then most of it in Margate, which is so nice because I'd give myself breaks. I'd go for a walk because otherwise I'd be like screaming mm-hmm. <laughs> into the void, you know, just like. <laughs> um, so it was quite an experience, you know, testing all the recipes, but it's quite isolating as well because I did some of it through COVID. Um, and yeah, so it feels like a bit of a time warp. Um, I gave lots of stuff to neighbours, which was really nice. They must have absolutely loved mm-hmm. you. They loved... I, when I when I got the um, passion fruit donuts kind of down and I gave them the batch, they were they were really excited about it. So yeah. I feel like no one's ever going to turn down a freshly made passion fruit donut showing off their doorstep, are they? You never need to <laughs> take can't. out your bins again. You're just going to be the favourite neighbour. Everyone's like <laughs> hoping that one day they'll get the donuts again. I guess it's the thing of writing it in COVID or writing a book in general can be quite a solitary experience. But then I guess you've now had the amazing experience of it coming out into the world and seeing other people responding to it. What's that been like? It's wild. Like seeing it for the first time, I'm like, is that real? Like just accidentally seeing it and be like, (laughs) oh my God, I made that. And then people think I'm insane because every time I see it, I walk in and I like have a moment with it. Or I take a photo of it and they're like, why is this girl doing this? <laughs> Are you doing the thing where you go into bookshops and you sign books? You know what? I haven't actually done that yet, but I need to do it. It feels quite scary to ask. I'm yeah. sure. do, you like, book do you mind in, if I... Do you book in a time or do you just do it like... Apparently you can just go up I think you can just go bookshop. up and really? do it. Really? Yeah. I suppose it's your book, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's my book, guys. I should be able to sign it. I, I should say. <laughs> I have seen authors on Twitter, though, saying that they've asked to do it and people have been like, um, how do I know it's you? And they're like, oh, I feel really awkward now. So funny. <laughs> to be honest, there's lots of photos of me in the book. <laughs> so <laughs> people, it's like, this is literally... look familiar. <laughs> You may have seen me in. <laughs> Did you always want to write a book? You know what? Not really. Not exactly. I feel like with when I started Dee's Table, I always thought it was going to go down like a restaurant venture. And I feel like most people had projects that kind of changed because mm. of COVID. And I was meant to, I guess, or I was going down this restaurant venture this idea that was meant to open april 2020 which is like kind of hilarious to me now yeah Um, what was it meant to be um yeah it was meant to be like a proper restaurant it was meant to be open like seven days a week um and i've been testing recipes for that and all the dishes um which is fine i feel like life you know has literally a life of its own and you can only plan you know so many things um so I guess the recipe venture came to me like kind of not intentionally. Like people would ask me, oh, can I get a recipe for this? Like I tried this and I was like, yeah, I could share it. And I'd share people like recipes privately. Um, But essentially when I moved to Margate in uh, 2019, like January, I was painting walls in my new house. Um, I just wrote a proposal. I just wrote a book proposal because I was thinking of things that I'd want to maybe do with Dee's Table. And I wrote it. It was called Plentiful. It was still the same title, but I didn't send it to anyone because I was like you know, who knows. Just had to keep in your back pocket for later. I just kept it in my back pocket. And then in 2020, I had like a bunch of people slide in my DMs. 
which is like actually welcome like dm like you know oh yeah um, totally. from someone <laughs> good from like a stranger <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and i was like oh yeah they were like have you ever thought about writing a book and i was like yeah i i actually wrote this proposal um over a year ago what a dream that's the easiest just... client to have though yeah if you thought about writing a proposal yes, yes i already have <laughs> here you go so Boom. easy yeah who, um, did you, who are your publisher hardy grant oh perfect yeah Lovely. and there was so like just amazing women and it was just so easy and cool to work with them and they really let me make the book of my dreams um which is really interesting because i feel like the book like I said, it's very conversational. There's a lot of my personality in it. The way it's structured, it's not like in a traditional structure. Um, and they just let me make what I wanted to make, which is really cool. It's yeah. such a dream. So it was very dreamy. Like the whole process was like really chill and like, well, maybe not chill. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's it everything chill, you wanted it? it to be though. The book yeah. has turned out in like, it's she's who you wanted yeah oh yeah she's beautiful and then when you were touring as a musician mm -hmm. what kind of stuff would you eat on the road because like, it seems to kind of go one of two ways people either use like touring whether they be like comedians or musicians to, as an opportunity to try different cuisines different stuff from the country that they're in or they just like go for fast food because it feels familiar <laughs> what was your experience when eating on i think tour? it's like a mixture of both touring is wild like you mm. never know what you're gonna get and what was interesting about france that um their hospitality is so different they want to literally feed you oh yeah and i remembered playing this festival once and they had like an in-house chef for the venue and he made he made like an amuse bouche like it was just like <laughs> a different it was like five courses oh my god so i feel like touring can stretch from having like like you're saying a burger king from a service station kind mm -hmm. of thing or you're having these like crazy elaborate dinners and i remember once a very memorable dinner that i had on the beach and it was for like this i was played we played one song and it was for like because the label i was signed to and was distributed through warner and warner do these crazy like yearly um parties where they have everyone all the um reps from all around the like different um all around the world basically they come together and have a massive dinner and a big old like music send off and stuff. So I played one song and then we had this like um, crazy dinner on the beach. It was so beautiful, so memorable. And yeah, stuff like that I'll never forget. I think is like food is really important to me. And I'm the kind of artist that will, I'll map those places out. I'll make mm -hmm. sure I'll go somewhere cool. And coffee as well. Coffee is like obviously important. <laughs> yeah. Not just fuel. Not just fuel. Not it can just be feel. very delicious. Yeah. To be honest with coffee, I think I'm just such a novice. My older brother is massively into coffee. So that's like his really big nerdy thing. And I don't know whether my palate is now so kind of like tuned to wine, which in comparison is like quite like soft, um, like quite subtle drink that whenever I have anything like whiskey or coffee, it just like blows my palate out the water and I can't, I can't pick any really? notes out. I'm just like, oh, it tastes like coffee. I can't taste the difference I, between I good coffee and bad exactly coffee. I exactly what you mean, actually. Yeah. I'm really not a coffee snob either. In fact, I'm not very good at drink. I love iced coffee as a mm -hmm. treat in the summer. Yeah. But caffeine hits me so hard. I love really? a cup of tea. Okay. I would love to be better at coffee because I feel like it is a very babyish trait of mine. <laughs> I'm not really a coffee drinker. And it would make me feel like a lot more of a sophisticated woman if I was into drinking coffee. You can teach us some things. I mean, I only feel like I'm a coffee snob when I go to America and I feel like they don't really mm. get coffee. Like, yeah. like, I can't get a flat white anywhere. Like, what's really? going on? Yeah, because it's like all massive, like lo lots of milk. 
yeah. I'm not a coffee snob, yeah. but I feel like it when I'm in like the States. Yeah, I suppose yeah, yeah, you yeah. can get a flat white either end of the country. It's just maybe everywhere in the middle. Yeah, I can imagine so. I feel like New York's like quite good. For yeah. That yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah, New York, that. LA, but everywhere yeah. else is just kind of like, yeah. A middle zone. I wouldn't know, never been, but I'm not going to go now. No, 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 they do milky coffee. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> not going. Before we move on to more chit chat, should we talk about what we're eating and what we're Let's drinking? Let's do that. It looks so good. I'm I know I said ready. this literally every week. Wait until so the week where I'm like, Sophie, this looks shit. What have you made? God, this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what are we drinking, Han? So um, the sponsor of today's episode have very kindly sent us some wines over. They have literally just launched South African sparkling wine and the name of the brand is Severin. And they're competing with the best sparkling wines on the market. And I opened Ooh. a bottle of this yesterday and it went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do a tasting note. And then it just like, it went into my toaster. I was like, right, time to unplug everything. <laughs> Did your toaster so enjoy it? Um, the toaster enjoyed a nice bath, actually. That's... <laughs> oh my God. So I would be really interested and intrigued to hear what you guys think because it's undergone a bit of age. So it's likely going to have like those brioche buttery mm. notes that you get from like Yum. a decadent aged champagne but it's also like been influenced by like so usually in champagne it's kind of like sunny around summer but south africa you it's going to be a lot more ripe and full of sugar and lovely stuff so Ooh. let me know what you guys think but first what are we what are we eating to go alongside it so with it, because it's so bloody hot in London, I'm really, really, I'm really in salad mode right now. Um, but I was thinking, what's a, what's a salad that would pair well with that kind of age sparkling wine situation? So I've gone with quite a citrusy number. So we've got mm. a chickpea and date salad, and it's got a really orangey dressing. Mm -hmm. So I roasted some chickpeas and spices. Um, I caramelised off loads of red onions with sherry vinegar and nigella seeds and smoked chilli flakes. I've tossed it all together with toasted giant couscous, this orangey dressing, loads of parsley um, to make quite a nice... It looks kind of beige until you chuck the parsley in there. Beige mm -hmm. is okay. Beige, is, beige food's always good. Beige is yeah. good. Beige food beige means comfort food. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I think so. I saw, I saw Alison Roman do a salad that felt quite similar to this. But I didn't actually look at what she did. I just saw the picture and thought it looked nice. So it's influenced. <laughs> I'm going to recreate this. It's influenced by a picture of an Alison Roman dish. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So Amazing. hopefully I'm... it goes well with the fizz. I well, love dates and savory food oh, so much. So, so much. Good. I feel like fruit in savory food gets quite a bad rep. Does it? Some people hate it. People hate, like, I don't know, in, like, people get really bummed out about, like, raisins in savoury Oh, yeah, food. people are bummed out by raisins. That's me. That's literally really? I hate raisins. I love raisins, but I hate raisins oh in food. Oh, my God. It feels, like, it feels like there's, like, a little bug in my food. I, 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 I don't like the texture of it. The, yeah, a what golden about if you raisin. soak it in something? Yeah, was, like, when they get really oh, plump, if you soak yum. them in, like, some sherry vinegar or something. Oh, I love it. Me too. Yeah. But I hear you, Han. Yeah. You are one of the many. Yeah. I'm, I, I used to be really picky and now I like, I like things like tomatoes and avocados. I used to really just not like anything. Really? I hated tomatoes for like the longest oh time. God. I hated peanuts. I hated this, that, the other. And now I've kind of finally gotten over myself. But the only thing that I can't seem to leave behind is raisins and anything. Mm -hmm. Even in a cookie? Yeah, I was especially just, in a cookie. Like an oatmeal raisin cookie, a really good one is like one of my favourite things on the planet. Thank you. I think yeah. I might prefer it to a chocolate chip cookie a I lot agree. of the time. I genuinely agree. And people are always like, people, yeah. what's wrong with the world that you'd trick me into thinking it's a chocolate chip and it's a raisin? That's, that's literally what's what I was about to say. <laughs> I know I need to have like... 
I don't need chocolate in a cookie, like no. genuinely. Sometimes it's an ice bonus, but yeah. a raisin is also lovely. Yeah. Mm. Also, I feel like not. triple chocolate cookies <laughs> to me is overkill. I don't want so much chocolate in a cookie. Just need the one. Just need one. Just pick one chocolate and that's fine. Yeah. I guess, I guess with like vegan chocolate chips, do you get good white vegan chocolate? Is that a thing? A white chocolate? You know what? I've had a couple good ones recently that are pretty good. That took me by surprise. Excellent. Yeah. Mm. I feel like the OT, the OT milk chocolate, mm-hmm. like vegan milk chocolate using oat products seems to be happening a lot more now. Mm. I feel like we're, we're stepping up in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've come oh, a long yeah. way. There's a vegan cookie place just over there. Stop it immediately. Floats. What's it called? It's called and when can I go and they're move big, in? They're big, plump vegan cookies. They're, what? I, I, I was about to say, like, maybe they're gooey in the middle, but I'm thinking it's probably definitely going to be gooey in the middle today because it is very oh, yeah. hot. It's melted. They're all, they're all gooey in the middle by default. I'm going to tuck into this salad. I'm ready. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm so yeah. ready. Well, this is one of those ones where, like, we'll assume that everything will go to. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. Clink. Lovely to see um, you. Oh, clink and a wink. I just like, <laughs> a clink and a wink. Oh, oh my God. God. I'm just like, you guys look amazing. I had to give you a oh, wink. Like thank the you. Clink. Cheers, Lee. Lovely Cheers. to see you. Yeah, what mm. do you think? This is one of the ones where we're like, it might work together in theory. What do we think of this? Mm, that's really nice. It's nice. Okay, perfect. It's got really nice acidity. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I was, yeah, I think... I think with champagnes all the time, they can be like really like creamy mm. and buttery. And this still feels quite light and refreshing, yeah. which I like. It's quite refreshing. Yeah. Good for a day like this. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they kind of described mm. it as like a South African blanc de blanc. So blanc, blanc of people don't know, is champagne made from 100% Chardonnay. So white from white. And then um, blanc de noir is white from black grapes. So that's why a blanc de noir is like see-through and it isn't like red like a usual wine because they only like keep the grapes in contact with the skins for like a couple of seconds there we yeah, go the more Yum. you know wine knowledge delicious oh, it smells really good oh that's lovely but yeah several night now and you guys can also get 10 percent off as you heard in the intro but yeah very very nice i really like that there are kind of there are new brands kind of instead of I mean, there are new UK wine brands. I mean, we're not in shortage of them, but brands that actually are doing something different and interesting rather yeah, than like, totally. we are working with the best English terroir. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what are you doing? But no, this is really, really delicious. Thank you very much, Severin, for sending us these lovely things. How is the food? Safe. This is like gone in amazing. Yet. Oh, good. I love the texture of the giant yeah, me too. I don't tiny couscous. I couldn't. I, I'm not that tiny fussed about. Couscous. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna call that small couscous. You're saying size matters. This should be the Sophie. regular couscous, you know. You saying size matters? When size it comes does to couscous. matter with size couscous. Absolutely. <laughs> there's no there's no texture with a little couscous. They just disintegrate in your mouth. With a tagine, you know, I can get behind it. Yes. Um, yeah. You got the texture coming in from somewhere else. Then yeah. you know. Yeah. This is with this. Delicious. You want to you want a chunk. You want a chunk. Hmm. How did you get into making your music then, Dee? What was the what was the start of that? Was I it guess your it first started love? with being the most emotional child. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a way I to channel that. your emotions, Dee. Was it like was it like that? You were like, I need I somewhere deeply... to challenge. <laughs> you know what it was, and I'm going to share this with you. And maybe I haven't shared this with most people, but as a kid, I wanted to be an actress. Okay. Mm. I was a very overconfident kid and I really wanted to act. And I thought the, like the, you know, the hallmark of a good actor is to be able to cry on cue. 
So I spent <laughs> a lot of time oh practicing how to cry, like practicing crying. <laughs> Because I thought that's actually what I need to do. Like if I was ever on set, to be honest, I need to cry immediately. (laughs) Can you? Can you? Can you still do it? Um, You know what? I don't know. Can you cry for us right now? I haven't practiced in a while. Actually, tears just come as the you know as an adult. Sometimes you know I don't practice anymore. (laughs) What happens? Something happens after you turn the age of twenty where everything makes you cry. (laughs) I can like think of a moment in a film that made me sad and it'll make me burst into tears. I cried the other day thinking about in Happy Feet. Have you watched Happy Feet? Oh my god, yeah. Yes, but that's also an incredibly emotional film. When he's being bullied, when he's a baby penguin, he's running away from the bullies and he falls into the (laughs) hole in the snow and he's crying. I burst into tears telling my boyfriend about that the other day. And he was like, Are you okay? You didn't even watch it. You just remembered it. I just remembered it. I was telling him how much it I'm welling up now. I can't even think I can't go on. (laughs) No, I'm this I'm the same. I'm actually the same. But I've always had this like big emotional like energy to me i don't know what it is could have been the avril lavigne you know oh, yes. it could have been all of that um but my dad was a musician oh, really? so i'd always grown up mm. around music and he was like in this cool band when i was younger and i spent a lot of time watching him make music oh amazing and yeah i guess i wrote i wrote my first song when i was 12 and i didn't know i could do it and it kind of just surprised me because i was like oh i didn't know i could do that and then i played it to my parents which is quite funny because the song was about running away from home <laughs> it was they essentially like, like a roast track to my parents <laughs> like uh so um, you would tell us that's so good. but their reaction was just like so um what school do you want to go to like what do you want to is this what you want to do they were very supportive really early on and yeah I've been writing a lot and then I don't know I had a moment when I was six I'm just talking you through my oh god no I love it I love it this is what it's all about do you need to like you're on a therapy chair (laughs) this becomes a therapy chair and I love it no so essentially I've just loved music. I've loved writing songs. And I think sometimes with being an artist, a lot of people are like, how did you decide to do that? I think like you have this like thing that's almost bigger. Like, I don't know. It's like a universe thing where I feel like I'm just an artist and I don't almost don't get to choose. And mm. even with writing songs, like sometimes I write something that comes so out of the blue, out of nowhere. I'm like, where did this come from? And <gasps> You're a vessel. I am the music and yeah I feel like a vessel like sometimes I feel this is gonna sound weird but I feel like like I'm like a weather reporter like I'm reporting <laughs> the rain or something <gasps> I love that you know? that's and such I feel a like great way to it's put so it it's so spiritual there's so many things happening inside of me and I'm like oh I have the feeling I'm like you know when you can smell rain coming I feel like I can smell the songs coming like, Ooh, I, I feel that. like a new like era or like a thing happening like inside of me and it's like that intuition that I think most artists feel mm-hmm. um, and you just have to follow it. And I guess it's a decision to follow it. But I've always had like ever since I wrote the song about running away from home, like <laughs> I've carried this like intuition and I've just gone with it and made things around it. And every time I've written a song at specific times of my life, that's like completely changed my life. Mm. It's been like crazy because it's whirlwind and I chase like an idea. You're a storyteller. But I feel insane yeah. most of the times because it's like you're making <laughs> stuff that's not real. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to explain to people, even on a producer level, like this is what I want this to sound like. You know, the challenge of making what's in here is like really hard, but rewarding. Mm. What has yeah. your relationship been with making music now that food is part of your career story as well? How has that kind of changed 
or has it not changed it? You know, it's not it's not changed because you like you know I always need to eat. <laughs> so that's a start. A girl's, okay. girl's gonna eat. Yeah, a girl's gotta eat. You know, I've got to keep eating to like make more music and to to sustain myself as a human. But also, they kind of work hand in hand because I feel like food is like very much about being present. That's something what I love about cooking. It's like it requires patience and mm. like like recipe development requires patience oh yes <laughs> a lot of patience a lot of trying and to me they're actually quite similar it's like a similar thing it's like i have an idea and then i have to figure out how to make it and get to that thing and sometimes i get there and sometimes the idea changes as it you know goes along and becomes its own thing um but i think it's quite rewarding to like make something and to like have to figure it out yeah mm. we're feeling your way through something yeah. and being really present with it yeah and I think it's really special. But when I wrote the book, I, I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot in between. I'd put, a, you know, a bit of cake in in the oven and go upstairs and like track some vocals. Oh my God. <laughs> That's yes. brilliant. Yeah. Or insane. Yeah, yeah. You're just actually. <laughs> so does this girl have any downtime? It's so pr- the most no, productive I person. Doubt, I like love a, you know, go for a leisurely walk or like, you know, fixate on a new tv i love like downtime downtime is important i think just Mm -hmm. in general like i was thinking about this recently just like when was the last time i sat and just allowed my mind to wander even though that's a scary word with my mind creatively you really need need it when you have a creative role you need to let it wander to come across new ideas yeah when you get really burnt out when you're it's when you're thinking all the time and that's Mm -hmm. when you you can't generate anything fun and new yeah i think i think it's important to do not like sometimes do nothing and also just allow yourself to be inspired by other things so i go out and eat quite a lot i think that's quite a good important break from research recipe testing like to actually try new things and someone cooking for you as opposed to having oh. to cook for yourself do your friends cook for you often do your friends and family never cook for you? and i'm saying this now friends <laughs> where are my invites <laughs> to your houses because i don't get it enough like it's actually really annoying everyone's terrified and they're all they're already apologizing before I've tried. <laughs> like oh well you know i just you know it's not my best work like you know and mm. i'm like no i'm sure it's gonna be fine like it's- people don't appreciate that you always appreciate a meal cooked by somebody else oh. Even if it's toast, like I love anything that's given to me by someone yeah. else that I haven't made. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm exactly the same boat as you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I'm sure you, you've you like experienced this as well. People just get freaked out like when they have to cook for me or, you know, if I come over, they're just like, immediately they're so worried or stressed out. I'm like, don't totally. stress out. I'm such a You can basic give me person. beans and a jacket potato I'm, and I'd be I very love, happy. I love jacket potatoes. They're so, so good. They're so good. I love a good bowl of pasta. Like, you know, you don't have to do anything complicated. Yeah, no. I think there's this assumption that you have to pull the stops So I think either on this podcast or when I was hanging out with it, the Easter, Belfry just said the exact same thing. Yeah. People say like, oh, I don't want to cook for the Easter. And she's like, shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> give me give me a jacket potato. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love and just not having to think about it, do the washing up, mm. talk about it, and having someone else do that thinking for you. Mm-hmm. very liberating mm. there's nothing like a are you hungry would you like me to make something for dinner oh, oh. i long i literally long for that and you split your time a bit at the moment between london and margate before yes. moving back to margate my bi-coastal lifestyle <laughs> oh so jealous being by the sea what a dream mm. um what are your favorite spots in margate 
You know, Dory's is so good and no one thinks to go there as a vegan Yeah, <laughs> because it's like a seafood bar. Yeah. But they always have like all the veggie things tend to be vegan, weirdly. And it's normally at the last step that they might add some cheese to like one of the main dishes. But um, everything's seasonal. So it's always changing like weekly. And it's just like really, really delicious food. And the, the thing that I had from them the last time I was there um, was this amazing, it was in the wild garlic kind of, which is having its moment. Yes. But it was like smoked almonds, this wild garlic kind of dressing with Ooh. chickpeas, like, like they fried and like, um, it was like this wonderful salad and it was just delicious. Like so, 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 so good. They're really good with the veg food um, and they put lots of extra care in it. But it's quite simple normally, just like celebrating, you know, the best that's in season. Um, so I love Dory's. Also the view. Yeah. The view of the sea. Like I love like a solo dinner at Dory's. Um, bit of like sparkling wine. Mm. Also my friend's mum works there. So I chat to her. Okay. Yeah. That's so easy. nice. Easy. It's so nice. Are there mm. any other recommendations you'd make for non-vegans perhaps? Um, to be honest, it's quite good. Bottega Caruso is really good. It's like an Italian I've spot. This. Oh my God. It's so good. And they do like the best pasta that you'll ever have. Like it's so delicious. Okay. Need to um, check that out. Yeah. So those would be my top like for dinner vibes or lunch, like a good lunch vibe. But then there's also like Forts is really good. The kind of more brunch ah. vibes, but they just do it really well. Like they do all your favorite things, but just like really, really well. Mm. Um, yeah. Margate's are good. It's good for food, I think. What made you make the move down to Margate? You know what? I, I'm such a nature baby. Like I need to be close to the nature. I need like to the, the nature. Yeah. Um, I just, the, the nature. The nature. The mother herself. The queen. Um, no, I think it's like because food and music is so busy. And when I was doing lots of supper clubs and pop, pop ups, I was getting so tired and exhausted after doing everything. And music, same, you know, it's the same thing. I'd like make a record or I'd come back from tour and be so tired and, you know, I'd need to write or I'd need to get back to myself. And I just feel like I can't do that in London for some reason. And I love it here. I weirdly love it more that I don't like live here. Yeah. <laughs> you get because to when I come and back and it's it like, it's really nice, but then I also get to leave. Mm. Um, so nature, like, especially being by the sea, I've always felt the most at home, like near water um and margate is just like so lovely like just to be able to walk on the beach clear my head listen to the ocean and like <sighs> my feet in the sand like it's just so healing yeah i feel exactly the same as mm -hmm. also as someone who was like born and bred in london mm -hmm. it's quite weird because mm -hmm. i was never actually near water at all the Thames isn't that near my house, nor do I live near the canals. <laughs> mm -hmm. But whenever I'm by the sea, I feel so relaxed. I always am like, why do I, why do I still live here? I think it's a sense of awe. Awe yeah. is so crucial to kind of re, refocusing and centering yourself. Like, even if you're, I don't know, whether you're seeing like massive mountains or like the sea, yeah. anything that makes you feel small. Because I yes. think in the city, yeah. 
you can feel quite big. They're like, oh, I'm Hannah Big Balls. Billy Big yeah. Bollocks <laughs> strutting around. Exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think also in the stuff where that we do that tends to be so wrapped up in ego and not in a bad way, just kind of like, as oh, in no, like how you self-perception. It comes into it. Self-perception and so much about yourself and your identity and how you come across to other people. I think that having those moments where like you tend to be overthinking something, having those moments where you're like, oh shit, nothing really matters. <laughs> yeah, like, I need the perspective. And, and perspective. like something huge like the sea is really, really good for doing that. I think. Totally. That's what totally. I get from it anyway. Me too. Plus it goes, it goes sploosh. And it says sploosh, sploosh. <laughs> it sounds nice. And it goes glue, glue, glue. I had a really bad case of COVID back in like 2021. I was so ill for such a long time and I couldn't no. taste or smell anything for ages. And we went down to Brighton and I was so tired and I didn't think I was going to like be able to make it to Brighton because I like couldn't stay awake for more than an hour at a time and we need to get the train. And we got there and I slept for like five hours when we arrived, but the sun was shining and I woke up and I went and swam in the sea. And I felt better. Yeah. Almost instantly. And I swam every day that we were there. And I felt so much more well by the time that I went back to London that I now feel like the sea has this really healing property to it. Mm. I know it. Yeah, it totally does. I feel like Margate was kind of like back in its heyday. People would go there. It was like, to heal it was and, quite the victorian yeah, was like thing the Victor- wasn't yeah. it to be like i need really? to go to the seaside to kind of if you had like scarlet fever or yeah tb or something dipper you'd go in the to sea the, yeah. you'd go to the seaside <laughs> to like get some fresh sea air and recuperate yeah I but know. it does it generally does feel like that and also when you get a sun like i have so many photos of sunsets in my phone from margate it's embarrassing but it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's actually so embarrassing like you know just putting up your phone again um but the sunsets there are pretty magical. Yeah. Legendary. Oh, this is so now a wellness dreamy. podcast. I like it. I like the directions <laughs> this goes in. I just have to give Margate its promo, you know, everywhere yeah. I go. <laughs> Not that it needs it, you know. I feel like Margate was one of those places that everyone went to two years ago and then I feel like no one is going anymore. But it's still it's a lovely still place. Great. No, it's still really cool. Yeah. It's very artsy. Lots mm. of creatives, lots of good food. Lots I feel like you've got tons of nice friends who live down there as well, doing yeah. cool stuff. It's just so, it's so cute and it's so fun. And it's got like, it's so queer, which is like really also fun. And there's lots of cool things to do and I love it. Mm. It's quite quirky. I've never been yeah. before. I need to go. Yeah. Oh my God, no. you should go. You would like it, Han. No, I grew like up it. in the Midlands. Derby is um, statistically, well not statistically, literally the furthest city in the UK from the sea. Yes. Wow. And okay. they would have a, festival called furthest from the sea festivals like that's so depressing <laughs> why are we celebrating oh this <laughs> darby also got voted nominated and voted and won um a couple of years in a row actually um most depressing city center christmas tree of oh, the year wow not only was it about <laughs> i don't know how big's a foot it was about like six feet high <laughs> And it was essentially like a green cone with like some fake grass on the outside. It was also surrounded by four kind of like meter long barriers because they couldn't trust the good people That's of Derby so to not fuck up this really tiny Christmas tree. <laughs> so depressing. I'll post a photo oh, on the no. Instagram if anyone cares. Um <laughs> We all care. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's um, not much wellness in Derby. Just a <laughs> no. massive problem with, um, what was it called? Spice or Black Mamba? Kind of like the horrible drug. Yeah, that, oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah, the smell just takes me back. Whenever I get a waft of it, I'm transported. <laughs> Dee, what is the best thing that you ate this week? Oh, yes. Oh, there's a good bunch of 
there's been some good food moments, but I feel like I've been revisiting the old comforting spots. So I don't know if either of you have been to Fat Pundit. I love Fat Pundit. <laughs> so I went recently again because it's not enough that I love it. Everyone I know has to also love Fat Pundit. It's, it's a thing. It's the Everyone... opposite of a gatekeeper. I'm, <laughs> I'm never gatekeeping anything. Actually, gatekeepers are weird. Yeah. Like, why don't you want to tell people about the places you want to eat? Like, I, I don't word. get it. I Spread the good word. It's good for businesses. And like, why? Why? Um, so yeah, I'm always... Like anytime a friend comes in to London, I take them to Fat Pundit. Whereabouts is it? Um, well, I went to the one in Soho. There's also one in Covent Garden, but they do the most amazing, like crispy, like impo- almost impossibly crispy. I don't know how they do it because it's drenched in this like sticky sesame sauce, but it's their sticky sesame ve- like vegetables. And mm-hmm. I asked that I asked, I was like, "What is this?" Like, and they said cabbage. It's so delicious. And it's so ridiculously delicious, Ooh. but it's quite meaty tasting. So I don't understand how cabbage, like I, I love cabbage. I absolutely adore it. But I'm just like, how did they do this? I feel like there must be like a double fry thing because it's like so crunchy and less like you want more of it. Um, so I went there again recently. It was very, 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 very good. Mm. They treat vegetables. They're so good. Yeah, I mean the meat and fish stuff is also great, but it's a love. It's a great place for vegans and veggies. Like, yeah, there's crackling spinach dish as well. Oh, I've heard that's oh, it's so good. It's ooh. got like this yogurty sauce on Oof. top. Yeah, ooh. they're good. Oh, I love it there. Um, good shout. So I went there recently. I went to like I'm not really a brunch person. Like I just want to say I don't get the concept. All normally. my chef friends say, why on earth would you pay for someone to put an egg on toast? It, this, yeah. I don't want to pay <laughs> totally, for anything. Totally. I don't want to pay for anything that I could probably do at home. Yeah, yeah. it's but, not the meal that I want to go out. Apart from when I'm really hungover and I go to a calf. Yeah, exactly. I mean? But then I'm also like, it's just lunch. Like, yeah. like. Eating breakfast at 2 p.m. is just lunch. Yeah. Yeah, legitimately. We don't have to call it brunch, right? (laughs) But I went for brunch. (laughs) Also allowed. I went for brunch. And it was at this place called Club Mexicana and it's all vegan. It's like a Mexican spot. Yes, I've seen, yeah. It was so freaking good. Like all (gasps) the food was amazing. They did this thing that was called a breakfast margarita, which they Mm. had marmalade in it. So it was actually very refreshing, like lots of citrus, like very orangey. <laughs> oh and God. then like, obviously it's a margarita, there's tequila in it, but it was so refreshing, delicious. That so good. Breakfast margarita. Marmalade. Well, yeah. I, I can't go over that. Marmalade and tequila sounds good. Marmalita. Marmalita. They missed a trick. They missed, they missed the trick there. Oh. But I love the idea of the breakfast margarita because I'm just like, that feels so on brand for me. <laughs> oh my God, right. yeah, enable that. <laughs> We were saying before we started recording that we're not that into spirits these days. Tequila is actually the exception. I love, I love a margarita. I always have time. I actually wrote about this place in Margate called Little Swift. They do these like frozen margaritas. (gasps) And I, what I call getting Margate tipsy is basically having a cup of frozen margaritas. Oh, yes. And the frog, oh, so good. Um, So yeah, Club Mexicana, amazing, amazing tacos. What else did I have? Chicken and waffles, which again, I feel like can be disappointing like i like waffles in theory like, like a soggy little waffle yeah but i just feel like making them at home a bit of a faff like if yeah, i'm absolutely. gonna have either a pancake or like, even french toast to me is better but um it just feels like you get the machine out and then it gets all messy but if there's a good combination of things in a waffle i might get it like get in it the cafe i get it out um, and it you. was amazing it came with this like very like spicy like agave scenario and <gasps> 
delicious. Honestly, really delicious. Oh, Mexican food and like everything else pertaining to that is probably one of my favorite cuisines. But there's so few places in London that do it well. Yeah, yeah, I hard agree. Really underdone. Hard it, agree. It, there's like not. I mean, unsurprisingly, there's not a very big diaspora community, Mexican <laughs> yeah. community in London. I think that's probably the reason. Um, but Absolutely. There's yeah. There's a few places that I won't name, but like some of the stuff is good. But you're like. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's okay. They um they've just opened a new place in Bow Wharf that's a Mexican Korean fusion Ooh, that wow. I'm very intrigued by. It's very interesting. I, I have no fucking idea. Maybe <laughs> but we should I'm gonna find out. Research. Um, it's called Mexican Soul, but the soul is spelled like soul from Korea. Clever, <laughs> oh, I clever. That. I like it. Um, but yeah, it, it it looks it looks nice, but we'll see. Even like the availability of Mexican ingredients here yeah. is still really limited. Like yeah. getting a corn tortilla, it can still be quite hard to do. Yeah, there's like a, I can think of like a couple of like corner shops weirdly that sell them, but none of the big supermarkets stock a good corn like a tortilla. Good one. You it's, have to go kind of out your way to find them. It's hard. It's definitely hard. But um, I I definitely I feel like you feel that difference when you go like. When, you, when you're in LA, for instance, oh God, the Mexican yeah. food is just outrageous. It's just out off the scales. I'm because just, the you'll find me by the trucks when I'm in LA. When I'm finally in LA, I'll be by the taco trucks. <laughs> just huffing them down. It's yeah. crazy good. Crazy Chasing good. them like a dog. <laughs> even in New York, the tacos are really good. And people in LA mm. say, I don't even eat tacos in New York because they're so shit. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know what you think oh, of this taco tacos. snobbery. <laughs> it, there's some yeah. big time snobbery really? going on. Yeah, in okay. that world. Yeah. Big time, big yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I haven't spent any time in LA really, but I'll have to for a taco pilgrimage. You know what, food scene is fun. Yeah. yeah. And I've like produce this. wise, like the food, like when I last went, because I wrote some of the recipes in the book, like one of the, um, I've got this like, was it like whipped herby tofu, silken tofu with like roasted tomatoes and toast. I think that's in mm. the book. Um, and I wrote that in LA. But I feel like everything's in season because it's like the proximity to Mexico, like yeah. for instance, um, California, like you get all those wonderful like ingredients. Um, but California itself as a state is so massive. Like they get snow in like parts of it. It's like, yeah, mahout, like it's ridiculous. Um, and so the produce there is so wonderful. All the citrus, like oh, it's such yeah, a nice place so to true. cook from. Yeah, it's like chili because chili is just so fucking long. In some places it's like <laughs> absolutely boiling. In some places it's snowy. You're right. I, um, no, I, I, I would just so desperately love to go. But I think that I've heard that LA food culture is like, if you know, you know, kind yeah. of places. But if you just go out thinking like, I'm going to stumble across a great meal, you're not. You're going to stumble across kind of like a brunch spot with neon writing and uh, live war. <laughs> it's a lot of brunch there. I yeah. must say, it is a lot of brunch. Like, <laughs> God, boo! Whenever <laughs> no, I think... Okay. We'll rebrand it as lunch and we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I... <laughs> Whenever I think of like the LA food scene, all I can think about are like the really boring places that they visit in Selling Sunset. Oh my oh god. god, Selling Sunset. And they're like, oh, I'll have this. And then they don't eat anything and leave yeah. after arguing for two minutes. <laughs> oh, have you it. seen the new season? I, I mean, of course. I, have seen I watched it. it in a day. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my god, they're the back. outfits they're back. are just. They're getting, if you compare it to what they were wearing in season one as well, it's crazy. Because in yeah. our minds, we're like, they were always dressing like that. No, they weren't. No. The new girl, I love her so much. What's her name? Um, kind of like Megan Fox lookalike. I haven't um, watched any of the new season. What oh. are you doing? Oh, there's lots of new I, people. But she's, um, it was really funny because like they're all kind of, I think the, my partner made a really good point. 
made a point about like the whole like the fake LA vibe is generally people who've moved to LA but the people who are actually from LA are like pretty chilled out because they don't really feel like they have much to prove um yeah. but her and then um, Amanza they were both just having a conversation it's like God, they seem really genuine nice people but they're both the only two that are like from from LA ah. people in LA generally are very chilled because of the sun and the weed <laughs> yes <laughs> everyone's stoned essentially yeah. everyone's yeah. just I mean, their best life yeah <laughs> I don't um, know if the culture here is ever gonna well, I mean, we'd have the sunshine, so everyone's in a shit no. mood for half the year. We might have the weed soon. <laughs> that would be nice. Not, that would be not, so it's good. It's not in my bag, but just for society, I think it would be <laughs> no nice. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, but it should be. Um, I heard a rumour, um, maybe it was like three years ago, the Conservatives were thinking as kind of like a last minute, please fit for us young people. They were like, we're going to decriminalise weed. But like, <laughs> really? Also, it works. It makes sense from like a Conservative perspective because yeah. that means you get like a £1 billion injection into your economy just from like making weed good. It's like, it's yes, a no please, no more yeah, panic no attacks, please, for the British public. Yeah. Then they'll have to spend less on mental health because people aren't having weed panic attacks yeah. or all the shit weed in the UK. And yeah. everyone's more relaxed from having nice weed yeah yeah it is a different experience like i did a writing camp in la and they customized a whole strain for the <gasps> camp to be creative and like what and it was wild it was actually wild because every time i go there and i'm working i'm like everyone's high or they're using it for like other properties like like um sorry other benefits like um in like a cream or like you know to help with like a backache or like yeah 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 it's really so relaxed and like chill there and i think definitely would benefit from having it's different it's so different to the uk because like when you say like oh yeah i came to the party and everyone was high like if you're in the uk that just means that everyone's just like fucking gone yeah but in Mm -hmm. the us i mean maybe because people have like a higher higher tolerance but because it's so much better quality it's just like everyone's high but they're functioning been ranting so much about the Labour Party lately, but it's just been that way. Um, they make it easy for us. They make, they make it so easy for us to bully them. Um, <laughs> I think that in in a world where the Conservatives are prepared to legalise marijuana, but the Labour Party aren't, is just kind of just proof that I'm just like... Yeah, we're, we're in a really funny time right now. I used to be so staunch to the Labour and I'm just like, oh, well, I'm still going to vote for you, but I don't want to. Yeah, that's exactly the situation we've landed ourselves in. Mm-hmm. When some of the, th- yeah, some of the things that Keir comes out with, I'm like, oh my God, please don't say that. Bro, why have you just said that? I feel like the last five years here has been wild. Like, yeah. So it's just all hitting the fan. Like so many insane things have happened. Yeah. Um... I feel for the teenagers, like genuinely. Badly. Like, it feels like the world is burning. I mean, it is literally burning. Yeah, but, but can you imagine turning 16 and COVID or like even 18, like all the... Being at university. Yeah. I feel like when COVID hit, we were obviously still young people, but mm-hmm. I think really like my liveliest days were behind me already, if I'm honest with myself. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was 17 and he told me that I wasn't going to really see my friends for two years, mm-hmm. I would have probably run away from home. To where? Covid's everywhere. That's not very clever. Brock, 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 Brockwell Park. <laughs> just, just, just sit in Brockwell, just Brockwell, Brockwell just Park. Just five minutes down the road. Just sit in the tree circle. Oh, bless you. I feel, I feel for that experience because your teenage years are already awkward and like so many things are happening. You're going but to do that, it. Yeah. isolated and at home, 
and then like you know brexit and all these things just kicking off and then like it's almost like is this really happening like yeah jeremy and like i feel like every time something new happens i'm like is this really happening just like, right how does now? it keep getting worse I mean, the Matt Hancock thing yeah. scandal. <laughs> was just... I was listening to a podcast the other day and they made a really good point. Um, they said that uh, if this was a play, then we'd watch and be like, I think these metaphors are a bit too on the nose. I think this is a bit too obvious. <laughs> it's not realistic anymore, guys. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these metaphors are a bit heavy handed. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I watched a... Um, I rewatched a interview on the Andrew Marr show with Keir Starmer and um, Brian Cox. Have you watched Succession? Do you? you know what? I haven't gotten into it because I think I tried it and I wasn't in the right headspace to like mm. take in Succession. You have to really to... be willing to focus to get into Succession, and I'm not often in that space with TV, so I hear you. You gotta like accept that you're gonna understand about forty percent of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. The corporate lingo is not really in my brain yeah. in that way but i feel like sometimes you watch things and it's not you're not watching it at the right time you, mm. you, you know mm. so i think maybe that's what it was as well i just wasn't in the right headspace to like yeah. receive it but like yeah logan roy like the big patriarch character like you know his face and that he's mm-hmm. just like a bit tyrannical he was on the andrew Marr show and um, brian cox uh, was the voice of labor in their 1997 campaign he's always been very big labor and he recently just like renounced the party He's gone full SMP. And uh, he was just sat opposite Keir Starmer telling him how much his party sucks. I was like, wow, for literal Logan Roy to tell you that your party sucks. That must be like... Must hurt. That must hurt. <sighs> Speaking of SMP, even Nicola Sturgeon getting arrested. Oh my God, I saw the I've meme, but it, yeah. I didn't... This you is so classic. I, I saw the meme, this is how but we not the news stuff. story. Um, sorry, what were you going to say? On a side, maybe, I don't know if this is what we should talk about. Maybe you should have said that. Go. Go on, we'll try. No, it's actually Sense, check it. Sense, check it. No, I'm just like waiting for all the bi men to come out. Like, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... Mm-hmm. No, this is great podcast chat. It's still not... Now we're like reaching LA podcast chat um, territory. It still just doesn't feel like very comfortable territory for men to publicly no. talk about their sexuality in the same way that women are starting to be more able to. And men ridicule them for Maybe that's yeah. why. Maybe I mean, they'll have what to hold is. themselves to their own standards. It's just like, yeah. oh, but... Yeah, maybe I'll just start going around saying, oh, bi men are so attention-seeking. They're just doing it for attention. I don't want to start a conspiracy theory. But... <laughs> But Drake, I mean, come on, my brother. Like, I get a feel, I get a vibe, but um, I just feel like it needs, like, one person needs to do it, and then yeah, visibly, because I think visibility is is important. Yeah, someone Massively. that isn't Takashi Six Nine. Where the like, mm. I can't even think of a bi man that's like famous. I no, can't nor think can of I. Him. Literally, not a single. I can't one. even think Takashi Six Nine. He came out with his boyfriend, apparently. But I think that he might be kind of doing like a Kevin Spacey. Like, you can't criticise me because I'm gay. It's like, well, no, we can. (laughs) Is is Frank Ocean bi? I don't think so. Is he? Yeah, because... Maybe, I think Tyler's bi. Oh, yeah. Tyler's bi. Of course, yeah. No, I I feel like, yeah, there aren't very many. You know the first high-profile bisexual man that I remember... Aston Merigold from JLS. Do you remember when he no, came out? I don't remember. So, I don't it, think I knew this. Are you actually he being ca- serious? He came out like when JLS was still really big. Stop it. I don't think I knew I this. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was like the first high profile bi man that oh came out for God. me. I literally wow. no, I remember I, that, which I, says I didn't a lot know about that. Like, the visibility of the visibility that I had no uh, idea. Yeah. It came out before, and I think... Like, 
really. But I was listening to like Capital FM or something like that. They're like, oh yeah, like what do we think about Aston Marigold? Oh, that's great, it's come out. Anyway, here's GLS with the club is live at the sound of music. And I was like, yeah. Another bicon. This is what we need. Yeah. But yeah, I think that Drake is like one of those male celebrities where it's so heterosexual, almost becomes a bit ancient Greek and starts becoming a bit gay. Mm-hmm. I know exactly yeah, I know what, what you mean. mean. Yes. I know what you mean. Um, the thing about when, um, when I when I worked with before, he was telling me that he went to Drake's house. He did. Then. But apparently he has like several women who just live in his house full time. Sure. He has four, <laughs> he has four, private, he has four private chefs all specialising in different things, which I also find fascinating. Wow. Um, but apparently there's like, yeah, a lot of women who live there. Interesting. Just like having pool parties and hanging out. Feels quite ancient Greece. Wow. Feels fun. You all love me and you love having sex with me. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> of course That's you do. Wild. Okay. I loved those. It makes sense. Drake, yeah. the type of guy to say memes that were like really big a couple months ago. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I love them. Um, Drake's the type of guy to get in a fight that looks like this. And it's like one of those cartoon <laughs> fights with like a big billow of smoke. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, there's something going on. And I think that people just need to be more open. I think, you know, he's too, he's too femme. <laughs> he's too femme. He, and also he's like really uncomfortable in his heterosexuality. Like if someone mm-hmm. like tries to kind of like say like, oh, you're like a little bit, what's the new adjective? Zesty. I love, I love the word zesty like mm, you're a little bit zesty i didn't like the word sus sus was like to describe someone that like might be gay i was just like no no, no, no. Like, but i like zesty negative Let's i was like not, i yeah. like zesty i feel like the gay community would approve of zesty the community like. approves yeah as <laughs> someone a part of the community yeah yeah a little bit a little bit zesty um but like whenever he he just like doesn't get it he just does not like it when people laugh at him or like try and comment mm. on his sexuality. It's just a masculinity problem. I think it is. I'm just like, I can feel the awakening happening and I just feel like the bye boys, I love you. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. I've had two friends that have kind of, I feel like I'm also the the safe space for my friends. I love that. And they've kind of, I've had a couple of friends come out to me like men and they've been like, mm. I'm bi. And I'm like, I love that you came to me and you oh. told me this. But I just feel like, yeah, there, there hasn't been much space for that, especially bisexuality with men. With women, it seems to be okay. It's like, totally. well, it's, you know, it's... Aside from the fetishization of, side of it. I think it's yeah. the fact, mainly because yeah. it is quite fetishized. Like, I totally. get that as bi women. I get that all the time. And it's really frustrating because it's like, this is my identity. This yeah. is not like something that you my can fetish. I'm not doing this for you. My favorite yeah. thing that a misguided straight guy has said to me is also a bi woman. He said to me like, oh, what's a sleeping with a woman like? I was like, you fucking tell me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that there is going to be like, a, a gay I think so. I think there's yeah. going to be a way. I think there, I think there will be. And I'm ready for it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> the world's all right. I mean, some corners of the world not ready. We're ready. Yeah. We're ready in our small pocket of liberal East London. <laughs> We're ready. Shock horror. Um, we've been talking for over an hour. Should we get on to some letters? I think we should. Okay, so we've got a long A. I proposed to my girlfriend back in September 2022. Congratulations. Well done. And I am keen to set you a cage. I can't deal with... Oh, we just love love. I love love so much. I thought you were saying, like, no, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I proposed to my girlfriend back in September 2022 and I am keen to set a date for the summer of 2025 as it would coincide with a significant anniversary. Cute. However, she seems really reluctant to do that and favours a much longer engagement. As someone who recently got engaged, can you relate to this at all slash offer any advice? I would say that... I feel like long engagements are becoming the norm. Long engagements do seem to be the norm. And there's probably factors at play if she wants a long engagement. Maybe there's kind of, she's got other things that are her priority right now, like work stuff or, you know, weddings can be financially kind of spicy. Mm-hmm. Maybe she needs to do some saving, which would be reasonable. Um, maybe it would be good just for your peace of mind to get some clarification on why she favours long engagement. I feel like she she could be perfectly within her reasonable rights to want such a thing. So maybe just check in and see what those reasons are and then maybe you could understand it a bit better. I could understand it being hurtful if it feels like a significant time for you, but she's not said no. Oh, yeah, she so said like, yeah. yeah, she's still saying so it yeah. Must be, it must be okay. I think long engagements are becoming the norm. And so long as she's like, I mean, why do you want to get married now? Yeah, maybe unpack the reasons that you want to get married, like, soon. Because if, like, it's nice that there's, like, a important anniversary coming up. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? I don't know. Yeah, I understand wanting to time it with a significant anniversary and that feeling quite nice. But at the end of the day, it's just a date. If you're going to be together forever, what what's that? What's another year? What's another year? What do what you are your think? Thoughts, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Immediately at the same time. I'm sorry, I just love proposals. <laughs> it's always nice. It's always nice. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Would nice. What's your What's your perfect proposal? You know what? There is no perfect proposal for me. I feel like in whatever scenario, public or private. Definitely private. There I feel like go. public yeah. would be the like my actual nightmare. I feel like a genuinely well i don't know i've seen some public ones are quite cute and personal in a way that i feel like you know lots of thought went to it but if you did like a massive thing in like genuine public public i'd feel very strange and like you'd also have to say yes yeah also on like i don't know if you've seen any of this but there was that person that won like a gold medal at the olympics and then her partner decided this was the perfect time and she was accepting her gold medal to propose it's not your day so overshadow her achievements and be like yeah but also you're in a relationship with me yeah actually like not forgivable wild in any way yeah birthdays like (laughs) achievement related events no go just yeah no absolutely not absolutely not so just something chill something chill i think would be ideal i'm putting it out there <laughs> Asking the universe. Asking the universe Chill proposals, for proposal. please. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Hope, hope that helps. Um, yeah, just unpack the reasons why you want it, and they maybe don't want it right now. But realize that you guys are still getting married. It's going to come from a place of love. I also feel like, on a side note, I feel like engagement period of time between being like together. And getting married when you're engaged, quite high tension because if you have like mm-hmm. any arguments, you could be like, "Oh fuck," mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so totally, you like try to like totally. avoid arguments. Are you experiencing that right now, or are you kind of like only when work things are a bit stressful? No, do you know what? Yeah, I get a bit snappy when I'm stressed, but we generally don't really argue. Yeah, um, it's actually going really quickly. The engagement period. Okay, I've That's been engaged good. for I guess like six months. I'm getting married in oh about a year. Oh my god. 
So we're, we're a third of the way through and I've done fuck all planning. So a long <laughs> engagement I would actually encourage for that reason because it goes really quickly. I suppose it takes the, a, lo- a long engagement takes the pressure off yeah. as well because if it is like six months and then like I personally, like every time we had like an argument as an engaged couple, I'd be like, oh my God, it's not right. Oh my God, we're going to spend our whole lives arguing together. I think that maybe a longer engagement takes that pressure off. Yeah, and so you can kind yeah. of like settle right. back into like your normal couple rhythm after the honeymoon stage of being engaged. At the end of the day, nothing really changes marriage or no marriage. If you're committing to be with someone, you're committing to be with someone. And obviously weddings are lovely and the intention of proposing is lovely. But it's just the party at the end of the day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be more high pressure than that. So she wants to be with you long term. She wants to be with you long term. Yeah. It doesn't matter when you sign the papers. I feel like most people I know that have like, they, you know, since being married, it's kind of just been this the same. And I think it's just the intention of being with someone that's really... I think the only time where it becomes different is if you've been like quite traditional and kind of... I I think that so often people move in together before getting married because they're like, no, I want to test it before I... Mm -hmm. Before I like fully commit to it, which is fair enough. In the no sex before marriage days. Also like the living with the family before marriage. And then I think that that must have been so drastically different. Imagine like dating someone and then getting married to them and then living with them and then having sex with them and then oh it's all so wrong yeah what if they do really gross stuff around the house (laughs) what if you just don't gel what if they yeah i'm trying to think of something that's really gross i can't even think buying the toenails yeah what if they bite their toenails in bed (laughs) what if they like don't take their skid marks off the toilet what if they are fucking slobs hmm no. No. Mm. Yeah, long engagement's the answer. You're doing the right it's thing. Be. Just have a be. chat. Um, next question. How do you navigate triggering conversations with people who make you feel guilty for enjoying great food? Ooh. Mm. I think there's a lot of it out there in in the world, in the age that we live in, like society making you feel pressured to eat certain things, eat in a certain way, look a certain way. And there's, I feel like you can't tackle it with people in a confrontational way easily, but you can assure yourself that the way that you live your life isn't wrong in -hmm. any way. Yeah. Food is for nutrition, but it's also for enjoyment and it's for connecting with people. And if you're finding enjoyment and connection through eating foods that aren't traditionally considered to be like healthy foods that are good for you, then it's still serving a really valuable purpose in your life and just stay really true to your beliefs that that is the case and don't let other people's judgments on you cloud how you feel about it Mm. is what I would say what about you Dee yeah I think I agree I think food can be joy Mm. and I think that's something that you miss out on with adulting like you know life gets crazy and you're like you think you need to do these certain things and there's this pressure to eat a certain way there's so many fads out there and things that like also just you know not fake news, but things that come, you know, don't eat this or else like this, you know, you get cancer or something or you yeah. die. Totally. Basically. There's so much yeah. fake. Everything gives fake you cancer. News, yeah. Everything yeah. The Daily Mail is anything cancer. to go by. Everything gives you cancer. Yeah. But it's fine. Apparently yeah. uh, like toasting stuff, like what? a little bit of brown bit on your toast is apparently carcinogenic. What? <laughs> I'm not living my life like that. I'm really sorry. No. I have to have toast. Toast sorry. is important. I'd rather so, have cancer. I'd rather have cancer than, <laughs> than white toast. toast. <laughs> Legitimately. <laughs> Untoasted toast, where is the joy in that? Stupid. Yeah. Sorry, do you continue? 
Yeah. So I think that's something that I, I just think our relationship with food can sometimes like, you know, there's so many things that interfere with, with it. And it's something really nice about sharing food and just enjoying food. I think that's something that I even try and like cooking for myself, making sure I like take the time to cook. And I just love cooking for other people as well. I think it's important to joyfully eat mm. and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Totally. I no think, such thing as a guilty pleasure. True. Mm-hmm. I think there's also this thing where if you hang out with lots of different kinds of people and I think also in the food industry like I've noticed it a bit where you spend so much time and I've talked about on the podcast before like pummeling your body with food and drink that you're meant to try because it's part of your career that almost your body doesn't feel like part of yourself anymore so Mm. there's kind of that but I think that that naturally lends itself to disordered eating for some people in the community but yeah again you have to like come at it with kindness don't be like oh why the only reason you're telling me like or making me feel like this is because you have an issue you can't like you just cannot Mm. like that's someone else's own thing to fight and I think that also in the same way it's the same thing with drinking like in the same way that you might feel uncomfortable if someone has five drinks when you've had two like you can't Mm, say it you can't say anything You you can't you can't say anything you've just kind of got to and that might make you feel uncomfortable, but you've got to, like me and Sophie have talked about kind of like experiences where like we've been somewhere and like we are like eating like a dinner and then we're in the same group with people that have two bites and then it makes you feel a certain kind of way. Mm. Or it's like, or, or I was literally <laughs> um, at an event like quite a while ago and um I would eat something or no, someone would take a photo of something. They'd be like, oh, I don't want anything. You eat it. I'm not your garbage can, but also, yes, I will very happily. (laughs) I will also very happily eat it. It's kind of like so interesting because you need to be seen to be eating and drinking things, but not have any of it impact your body. Yeah. And I think that there's a reason that perhaps like the most petite people become um, successful in our industry. When in reality, it's such like a, diverse industry when it comes to things like bodies and there's so many different kind of body types but it's just a shame that only a couple of kinds of body types make it big yeah yeah yeah. and are deemed to be beautiful in mainstream yeah the mainstream world but yeah um so i I suppose the advice of this person was mind your business (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like yeah just kind of like stay in your lane be honor how you feel about things do not let mm. yourself be swayed people you might feel uncomfortable about people making you feel weird about having food but they're also probably feeling weird and have like their own disordered thoughts about eating well, we all have our own struggles it's a very very complex relationship and there is no like yeah. cut and fast solution to it no just kind of be respectful of other people and other people's bodies and just try and not let it get to you have fun oh yeah it almost always says more about the person than it does about you. So just mm-hmm. don't let it, don't let it phase you. It's all good. D, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for it having me. It's been so I'm nice. Just, like, a treat. obsessed with this food. I'm mm. going to be putting dates in all the salad things. Yay! That's what we like. We need a sweet salad. Is, is there anything you want to plug before? Other than I, I guess my book. Yeah. <laughs> Buy it. my book. I wrote a book. It's called Plentyful. It's out now. Yay. <laughs> It's Amazing. really, really, really brilliant. Everyone go and buy it. It's a great book. But um, thanks for having me. No, You're thank so you welcome. so much. Thanks it's been so nice to finally meet you. 
Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, whenever I say it, Sophie gives me a look like, ooh. <laughs> like, hands getting the Sophie thumbs up over here. Um, it's like when you were giving the really good interview questions earlier, and I was like, like, oh, wow, okay. she's interviewing. She's interviewing. Okay. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast at all, rate it five stars. Leave a review too. We like that. Leave a review too. We love that. We love <laughs> external validation of all sorts. You know this. You appreciate this. You validate this. Um, we have been Hannah, Sophie, and Dee. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.